0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to Creative Quarantine. I'm your host, Angelique Roche. And today, we are a month old. That's right. Uh, We hit one month, four weeks since we started this show. And I couldn't be more excited that whether you just started listening or you've been listening and watching for a month, that we have continued to have some amazing conversations with amazing creatives while inspiring and being real and talking about some very real things that are happening around the country right now as folks are taking a step back and adjusting to being quarantined, to being self-isolated, and also readjusting how they think about their creative process or um, being very thankful for their creative process and how they work and how they're able to continue to create because that is who they are. Uh, today, we had an incredible guest, uh, someone that I had been watching for years, a really funny comedian, uh, Kevin on stage, who, honestly, the first time I ever saw Kev, I had seen some reaction videos, my friends had shared stuff, stuff had been just popping up in friends timelines, and I'd, I'd seen a couple suggestions, and this really funny guy uh, that was reacting to a internet video, uh, which is something Kev still does, uh, but he has created this incredible brand around his specific, very true to himself comedy uh, that includes great dad jokes, uh, unpopular opinions, best, worst advice, and also some really cool sketch comedy, as well as some work with his amazing wife, who she should also check out. Uh, one in particular video that I am loving right now is Yoga Fails. It's currently on Kev's Instagram, so definitely go check that out. And we had an incredible conversation about his journey as an artist, where it started, how it started, um, starting off in stage writing and screenwriting, and his hopes and dreams for being able to produce and put out content, and how he was very successful at being unsuccessful in the early days while being successful. Trust me, you'll get it, listen to the conversation. Um, But I think he also gives some really great advice to folks who are content creators, who are looking to continue doing content, whether it's digital, stage, screen, however you wanna make it, and how folks can get started and, and stay dedicated and kind of what the secret sauce really is, which, Ain't that much of a secret um, about what it takes to get to a point where you feel like you are quote unquote successful in creating content. Honestly, if you can't tell by this introduction, it was a great conversation. We had a lot of laughs. We brought a lot of joy. We stayed real. That is what the kids say these days, right? Uh, and we even talked about TikTok. So you know what? Like I always say, I enjoy the conversation I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You are watching Creative Quarantine. Uh, and it's Monday. We made it to another Monday. Uh, and I am here with, I don't, I mean, how do I introduce you? Content creator, producer, writer, dad joke maker, best worst advice giver. Been. <laughs> been a friend. <laughs> Boom. Kev <laughs> on stage. What's up, Kevin? Oh, work. We, work yeah, we nice. did it. it only took like five minutes of practice to figure out which direction to do it in (laughs) oh man how are you doing
0: you know what i i think the best way to put it is i am making the most of it i think a friend of mine lovey said she talked to her therapist about you know she feels like she's either gonna sink or swim during this you know pandemic and her therapist said what if you just float and i feel like that's the approach i've been taking like I tend to make things doom and gloom anyway. Like, what if no one ever laughs at a joke? What if I can never sell a ticket again? What if, what if my arms fall off? Like, literally, like, just utterly ridiculous stuff. And I think this is a perfect example of something that's completely out of all of our control. And we just, all we can try to do is make the most of it. I think that's all we can really ask of ourselves is, is to try to get through this.
1: Are we talking about the infamous lovey side-eye from Chicago?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we
1: we've, we've known each other for a couple of years and one of the things I, I love about Lovey besides uh Lovey's sneaker collection um right. which just makes me jealous yeah. um is that that's really like there's there's like a real I I the Kerr commentary from the last couple of weeks has been oh, spot been on. It's been great. Um just because I I know and, and of course you you know how hard she works. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, And so it's 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 really interesting to talk about this whole idea of floating uh, specifically as a content creator, because a lot of folks know you from like one aspect of what you do. Right. Like we were kind of chatting before we went live. I love your dad jokes. Best, worst advice is my new favorite thing. Uh, But you podcast unpopular opinion. You you had a comedy show coming up and you've been doing a lot of expansion. Right. Um and so this is kind of like one of those things where it's it's different than someone who is just on a show and the show stop production you are the show yeah. and you are the production. And so what has kind of been that initial adjustment for you um just saying, "Yo, we're going to stop this, so we we got to sit still."
0: Yeah, I think it was, you know, I was just watching um I remember i was supposed to go to this black twitter thing and that was the first event that got canceled and i was at in tampa getting ready to prepare for a show and i was supposed to go to new york the next day and i and then it got canceled it was like my first due to uh an abundance of caution because of COVID 19 that was the first time that something got canceled I was like, oh man they you know twitter my first thought was twitter is taking this very seriously good for them right and you know and then my son had a soccer tournament that week and I was like, "Oh, cool! I will get to go to my son's soccer tournament. I'll spend a week at home, then I'll go back out on the road." That was the last time that I was out of town, and that was in the beginning of March. That was like March seventh or eighth or something like that. So, luckily for me, I and I say luckily because it it was really needed. I make content and therefore income in a lot of different ways, um, and because of this, you know, uh, pandemic. It's really giving me an opportunity to spend a lot of time with my family more than I usually get to do from being on the road and having meetings because it's like, not only am I not performing out of town, like all my shows that I do in LA, like the podcast and other video content I make, even that stuff's not, you know, shooting. It's like, and there's no meetings. I was taking a lot of meetings and developing stuff for, for TV. All that stuff is gone. So I'm able to bother my kids at record, record amounts of interactions. I mean, you guys, you guys only see the dad jokes that I post. They are the test. They get every, they get the God awful ones that I don't even laugh at myself. So, uh, you know, I've been taking this time to help build my wife's YouTube channel up, um, things like that. And, And I'm just trying to, you know, it's like goulash. You really are just trying to take the best of what we have and, and make the most of it.
1: And I think that's interesting. I'm glad you shouted out your wife uh, because you are a creative household. Like folks, yeah. like there are folks who just know your wife and there's folks who just know yeah. you. And yeah. then there's folks who see yoga fails and they're like, who are these people? Um, <laughs> but, you know, you really are this like really creative powerhouse um, family situation happening, Yeah, you know, for a lot of folks who may have just like jumped on, because there's some folks who've been, been on the bandwagon for years, right? We've Been following right. you. And there's other folks who kind of, and we were talking about this. I started seeing your work because people would forward me your, your reactions. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about a couple reactions later, specifically these sure, sure. Corona gospel reactions. Um,
0: oh boy.
1: I was specifically <laughs> asked to ask about that. Um, <laughs> But how you know what's what's, and I I work with superheroes a lot, so I love asking this question. Like, what's your origin story? Like, a lot of people know you're military brat, but like, how does one fall into being this like diverse content creator slash stand-up comedian slash dad joke teller?
0: You know what? Honestly, I've never really thought about it like this until you asked me. I think my internet story was born out of necessity and lack. Mm. So I, I I started off making plays with my brother and friend. We were start, we were called the well, the first thing I did was stand up. And I just did it in high school for fun on a dare. And I just played around with that, but I never kind of looked at it as a career, so to speak. I thought you know I was going to be like Tyler Perry and make plays. And we were in Seattle, Washington making plays and you know doing great but very far from actually making a living. And I remember we had got this guy who had either booked Tyler Perry promoted Tyler Perry. We had flew him out to Washington and, you know, it was like, if he liked this play, we were going to make it. So he flew him out. He loved the play. He was like, all right, now you guys got to put it up in Oakland for two days. And I'll, you know, I'll show that to Tyler. And I don't even know if he knew Tyler, but I was gullible. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we're like, okay, how much does that cost? And he was like, it's about 300 grand to do a weekend of shows. And we were like, 300... I- How do you, what do you, how do you, three, you might as well have been 300 bazillion. Like it just, we had raised $40,000 from one investor and that was the most money in the world we'd ever even talked about. We lost all his money. We broke even, but we didn't make any money. Second time we we raised 20,000 from another investor broke even again, but didn't make a profit. Now you're talking about raising $300,000. So we were literally going to quit and, and just coach our kids in basketball. At this time, all of our kids were on the same basketball team. And I saw, you know, I was watching a lot of YouTube. I was working at Boeing at this time, and I would seen a lot of YouTubers, like, making a living doing YouTube. So I was like, what if we just make YouTube videos, like, maybe since we can't travel our plays from Seattle, because all the play, the popular black plays like Tyler and David E. Talbert and Shakarius Johnson, they all lived in the South, and they would run yeah. from, you know, Atlanta to Charlotte and to Texas and everywhere in between, Chicago, and you could make a living. But from Seattle, you couldn't get... You couldn't even drive to a uh, a black like the closest black population was Oakland. Yeah. And that was a 12 hour drive. And we didn't have that type of money or anything like that. So the Internet for us was like a a way to get more people to see us so that maybe we could do our plays. And there was a I'll never forget. There was a trend going on. Stuff girls say was going on. And we did stuff black parents say and stuff. Uh, black church girls say and we asked our wives to be the girls in the video and they said no So we <laughs> we we put wigs on this was like during this is way back put wigs on and both those videos went viral and From that moment on we just kept going So the reason I started the kev on stage page is because in on our playmakers page all we made was church girls or church based videos which were going viral But I was like, I want to talk about other stuff that's funny to me that might not be church based. So I started Kevin on stage, my own YouTube page and um, and I proceeded to make content and I just never looked back for like the last eight years. I have posted a video, at least one video a day for eight years. Wow. Wow. And 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 I'm more than one video a day, but at least I mean, I might miss a day, but I've done three hundred and sixty five videos a year. Yeah. Or more every year,
1: which is so interesting because when you think of the span of eight years, right? And you think of for those of us who really understand the evolution of the internet, like yeah. and understanding what was ac- accessible to us. Like right now, people got diva lights and selfies, and they're working yeah. with these HD phones, and they got yeah. they, they've got their their tea, you know their their Canon Rebels and all yeah. these other things that are happening, and like everything's Bluetooth enabled. But eight years ago.
0: Man. That was not,
1: like, editing was not the same. You did not have no. this editing software. And it I really speaks to, used to trends. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. I was about to say. Go ahead. I, so I worked at Boeing, and it was the, it was like getting a job at the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Like, they didn't hire anybody. They didn't hire anybody. They hadn't hired anybody in this program in five years. And they hired five people on one program and then two people in my wife's program. I used to sneak to my car on an iPod Touch and record a video in my car and then go back to work and then go home and edit it later and i would sneak into empty conference rooms and and shoot videos i had a canon rebel t3i was the most legit i mean you you i was steven spielberg martin scorsese with that it had a flip you know a flip um uh, finder screen. yep oh my gosh that thing was 700 dollars, and i was like this is i mean we gotta make it, it everything. you know so uh, but you're right. It is so, and it's funny because people complain like, you know, I can't make content. It is literally almost all of my videos are are right here, shot, edited, posted. Right before we we did this, I shot two videos. Edit, I edited my videos with my left hand while I was eating cereal with my with my right. So how's
1: that shoulder doing though? How's, how's it, you know?
0: what's funny. I just texted my wife right before I got on with you. I forgot to take my. Uh, medicine. It is killing. I fell down the stairs and dislocated my shoulder on Saturday or Friday, and I still had to shoot podcasts with my shoulder throbbing. Like, uh, it takes a in insane amount of dedication yeah. to do, it. and that's usually the biggest separator between people who make it and people who give up. It's how willing are you to just keep going in the face of like no views? Because my first videos, man, you I seventy eight views. 64 and i was like we are we are this close to 100 you know and all i need all i need is 100 <laughs> to motivate me to the next 100 It's it and and this is why on my other page every video was getting a million like i was really dedicated uh to breaking 100 and then I, once i broke a thousand i was like ah oh, you might as well and then once i became a youtube partner i you know each milestone yeah. uh i enjoyed you know along the ride so it's been a great journey. So, so far it's been super great.
1: I love it. Right. Because it speaks to this level of adaptability and this level of just, there is a, this dedication, right. Of studying the platforms of understanding their shifts. Cause I'm sure I've been working in digital media for six, seven years Mm -hmm. on, on, and every time the algorithm changes, it changes yeah. every single thing you have to do Absolutely, and every single way you put stuff out there. For you, like, has there been a secret sauce? Has there been something? And, you know, don't share too much because you have a masterclass <laughs> and I want people to, <laughs> hey, this man, this is expert uh... knowledge. Um, this is not for free. But if there's anything that you would like to offer. Um, just kind of as folks are out there who are content creators, right? Like who wake up and have ideas and want to create content and tell a story.
0: Um, I think two things, one, use the internet to your benefit, whatever your lane is. Capitalizing on trends is the easiest way for people to become aware of you. So if you are a, a chef, it's, you know, Everyone in the world is talking about coronavirus and quarantine. So is it smart to say I'm just going to make a ham or is it smart to say corona uh, quarantine meals to get you through or let me teach you how to make a meal with things that you have in your house. Um, If you are a comedian and you want to talk about a show, everybody in the world was watching the Clark sisters on Saturday night or Rizaverse Primo or Insecure like, if you have those things, talk about those things because that's what everybody's talking about, and that's a good way to get people in your funnel. But the 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 deep dark secret that nobody wants to believe is the truth. Consistency is the most important tool. People want to people buy my masterclass, and they want it to be something that I. This is really the thing, and I, listen. I have been doing this every single day. Even when I went on tour, this was my third year in a row on tour, still shooting videos every day. And I'm so glad I did. I mean, editing them on the plane, posting them right before takeoff, you know, buying Wi-Fi on an international flight just to make sure I could post it right. You know what I'm saying? Like the dedication and hard work and consistency is that's what separates people. There's really no, I can give you the tools, but I can't make you decide to get up and make a video when you have a migraine or you just lost your job or whatever, and you just don't feel like it today, or you had six videos in a row that stunk it up, or the algorithm switched and you used to get you know a lot more thousands of views, now you get less, or you have to learn what pops on TikTok. Like, you know, you kinda have, there's a lot of that that's really important, but consistency and hard work is the difference maker. People can blow up quickly, but they very rarely stay successful. You know what I mean. The internet. Yeah. We think about all the viral videos of people you've seen over your life that people haven't been able to make a career off of it. You know, or people who've had three three months or a year. Like the internet is a lot like one hit wonders. There's a lot of songs you know from one band or one person, but that's it. You know what I mean. It's like, what are you going to continue to do to keep pushing yourself forward?
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot of truth in the consistency part. Cause I think there's also this idea that not everybody's a content creator.
0: No, not at all.
1: I mean, unpopular opinion, all (laughs) puns intended, like not everybody is made out to be (sighs) a content creator. And that doesn't make anyone good or bad or less creative or not creative at all. But like in the pace that we are looking at today, like I started off in journalism, right? Mm. So journalism however many years ago that I got a college <laughs> degree, uh, was much different than the journalism that we deal with now, right? Yeah, like that yeah. journalism, the news came out once a day, maybe there was an evening edition if you lived in a big enough space and they had just invested in websites. Right Now, you can't find a newspaper that doesn't have a website and a subscription and isn't constantly trying to put out the latest news and give updates to draw to traffic to the website. Um, For you, though, do you feel like there's a drive to still get back to traditional forms of creativity, like doing a stage play, um, looking at, you know, more appointment type television? Or is this kind of like your sweet spot?
0: You know, I think part of me at first I did want to do that. Right. But then I realized like I. To get it to be a traditional actor, you have to deal with an untraditional amount of rejection. Like the audition process alone, it is just, it is, Screw it is just tough to break in so many no's, you know? So at first I'm like, I want to be traditional, but, but, but traditional is changing. You know, I'm like my children, 13 and 11, they have never in their life sa- said my show comes on at seven o'clock. I need to be sitting in front of the TV at seven o'clock to watch it. They are used to saying, okay, I want to watch this guy on YouTube, so let me go to his YouTube page and see what he's posted. Or, Dad, what's the, what's the login to Disney Plus? Because there's a show I want to watch. Or what's the Hulu? Like, Can you log into Netflix for me? So it's like, why for me, why go back in time? Because the people who are going to be consumers moving forward, they're used to following people on, online. And that's one of the reasons I do TikTok is because my son's soccer team the 11 years old 11 year olds 10 year olds they love tiktok and they're about the age i was when i fell in love with will smith now i couldn't buy a ticket to a show or a movie at the time but i've been a fan of his my whole life so when i could go see bad boys 2 i willingly did it because i had so many fun memories of the fresh mm. prince and then you know men in black so i want to have the current you know fans that are my age that's the majority of my fan base But I also want to be introducing myself into people who are 11 and 15 and 20. And that's kind of the reason why I had to learn TikTok because I was vehemently against it. But TikTok kids are not coming to YouTube. You know what I mean? Like my son's friends, they're not finding my content on YouTube. They're on YouTube, but they're watching video game playthroughs and things like that. So, you know, with the Internet, you kind of always got to be going with the flow and 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 making sure you can do something relevant as the internet changes.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that's such an interesting point because, you know, when you look at things like, cause TikTok basically is the new vine. Uh, I yeah. know i aging that for a lot of people are like vine. What's yeah. vine? <laughs> um, but like TikTok's is a new vine, but also, yep. you know, when you look at things like Quibi, which uh, which understands is adapting to ten minute shows, which is yep. crazy to some of us. Right, um, that things would be that episodic. But if you look back and you go Issa Rae, Awkward mm-hmm. Black Girl, that yep. that 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 structure was already on its way. And those fans who watched Awkward Black Girl were the first fans to get caught up in Insecure, right? Because they were like Absolutely. anything that Issa does, we're there, right? Exactly. And so I think that's that's such an awesome point, and it's so interesting because yeah, I did go see The Last Bad Boys mainly because I love Will Smith, right? Not because I was expecting anything out of the movie.
0: Exactly, and that's what we do as creators. Like I remember watching the first episode of Insecure. My friend was like, "You've got to check this YouTube show out. It's hilarious." And that was like eight, seven, eight years ago, like way, way, way back then. And now isa commands more than you know say you know josephina blow on the street who has the similar idea to insecure but isn't Issa ray doesn't have a web following doesn't have three hundred thousand youtube subscribers at least that personality can you know ne- if the network's choosing between one of these two people they always want to give their their show the best shot and isa is the writer creator star and she already brought some audience and some online shows are getting more audience than traditional. Media. Some podcasts are doing numbers that TV shows would love to do. You know what I mean? So it's like um, I don't see the point in chasing something when I already have something of value right in front of me.
1: Yeah. Well, we have a question. I want to make sure everybody knows you can ask questions live. All of it comes into the comments box over here where we're at. So don't worry. In the comments, in the chat, everywhere, we'll pick it up. Uh, could you ask Kev what his next major goal is? Could you ask him explain what that visualization looks like? That's a real great deep question. question, but it's a good question.
0: It's a great question. I think my next major goal is to expand what we do into long form content. We're currently writing a movie for Tony Baker and I, uh, a friend of mine, comedian and I mean overall super talented person, actor and all that. And instead of pitching it to Hollywood, we're gonna write it, shoot it, make it and sell it to our audience directly. And it's like, you know, whether that makes $500 or 500,000, that's what I think the model is for me is to be able to create and produce my own content and then eventually create and produce uh content for, or actually produce and uplift other creators, you know, people who can't get in traditional Hollywood, but have a great script. I want Kevin on stage studios to be able to to say, hey, man, you got a great script. We love it. You know, we're going to produce it for you. We're going to share in the revenue and things like that. I think that's what our space will be before I before um, the traditional media. Now, of course, if, if uh, somebody wants to make a TV show or a movie for me, I'd love to do it. But one thing I've always loved about owning this, our stuff is the control. You can't cancel a show. You can't cancel my show if I'm producing it. You know, like I can cancel it. There's shows that I love that I had to discontinue because they weren't, you know, business. They didn't make business sense anymore. But you can't say, oh, you know, this show is canceled. I don't I don't you know, I don't want to make this anymore. And then, like, my whole life is is ruined. I, I I love the the freedom and power being my own creator gives me, you know, what I mean, because my audience loves it. And I only have to really please my audience and then hope my audience grows. But. I can make a great living just doing what I'm doing now, so I'm. I, I just want to expand that. That's my hope.
1: And I love that because it's one of the things that a, a lot of folks miss. in all of this is the business aspect. And like for you, there, it really is. And we we were talking about this before we went live. Like the reason why I love your stuff so much, besides it is funny and it's good content, <laughs> you can really tell that there is a sense of content development. There's a higher level. It's not just putting good stuff out there. It's putting good stuff out there that you know this is Kev's stuff. Like, you know Kev on stage did this. You know Kev on stage is is known for a certain style of comedy, Mm -hmm. a certain tone of video. Um, And it's more than just you being yourself. Like, when you really look at it, you can tell that you listen to your audience. Uh, Yeah for folks out there like as they're thinking about that like where does that strategy start from Wh- how do you think how do you think in terms of audience
0: well i think the first thing i wanted to do was be authentic to myself and make what i thought was funny and put that out there and then draw people who are like me so you know if you're a fan of mine you you probably grew up in the 90s you like 90s RB. You're highly likely to be grew up in a black church. You know, you, you know, you think 90s R&B is better than today's music. You know what I mean? Things like that. So that was the, the the black church was my first audience. And then it's just what do I think is funny? Like, obviously, there was a period of time on Instagram where most of the people that were growing, um, they were putting women in their videos that were barely dressed and focusing on their boobs and butt. Right. And I saw people go for thousands of followers to a million in a year doing that. And I was like, I, I just am never going to do that. My wife's never going to allow me. I just couldn't, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't be fake to myself to attract mm-hmm. followers. Cause I knew that wasn't really how I saw content. So I had to watch people, you know, pass me by doing stuff that I, I didn't feel comfortable doing, but I knew that if I stuck to what I thought was real and, and valuable and funny and not funny, then the people would rock with me and i feel like it's better to have somebody who really supports you and you know wants to come to a show or buys a shirt or buys a mug or shares a podcast is better than grabbing somebody who's just you know saw a girl twerking and now they're following you hoping for more of that because that's not you know it's like that's to me selling out it's like mm-hmm. doing something that you know you don't believe in only for either monetary value or to gain followers was like i'd rather have 200,000 or 2,000 people who really rock with me and know what I'm about, than two million people who who, you know, are following me off of some, you know, persona I created that really isn't me. So that's why people are like, I feel like I know you, Kev. I'm like, for the most part you do. I mean, you know the the stuff I be saying is what I really be thinking. You know, I mean it's more a performative version of myself. I'm not like this all the time when I'm at home I'm just, you know, digging in my toes, watching the office like most people, but <laughs> But it's tr- it's funny because it's true, <laughs> so, you know. Like, but for the most part, you do really know me because that's yeah. I, I put my thoughts out,
1: and I and I think that is is it's such a statement on sustainability, right? And I think that also goes back to like, like how you have been able to adjust in this time because right. it wasn't like you were completely adjusting the type of content. Like, this is the same content. You were putting out it's just limitations and restrictions of where you can go one of the things i think a lot of people do ask and reminder you can't ask questions right now and i and this is such an interesting you you touched on about the phone Mm -hmm. a lot of people think that you got to have this big huge space you got to have all this studio stuff and all this equipment to get started like I'm guessing literally, you got like a a, a headphone, may, maybe a phone lab, and like a phone, and that's that's life.
0: It's not even a lab. And a, tri- and a have, phone tripod. I've got a monopod like this, right? And it has a cell phone clip on it, and I take my cell phone and I put it in like this. Boom. And ninety percent of the videos that I shoot are done just like this. No external mic, no lav. I have some lights now, but before I could afford lights, I would just, I would go to the window in my house where the sun was shining and the key is have the light behind you, whether it's bot or sunlight, put it, put it behind the camera, stand in front of it. Like, and if I, if the sun went down, then I'd go to the most well-lit part of my house, or I'd go in my car and turn on the the thing like you with Anchor, um, Anchor FM, you can record a podcast and edit it on your phone. You know what I mean? So uh, and if you can't afford the phone, I, I spent the first piece of equipment I bought was an iPod touch. I bought it for my son. And then when he wasn't playing with it, I would shoot it and edit it. So I edit most of my stuff in there. I, you know, up until we actually still shoot most of our podcasts on our iPhone because it's, it's clear. It's good backup audio. And it's easy to transfer the footage to our computer. You just airdrop it and then it stays in the cloud. Like we have really nice cameras and stuff, but man, it's really not as hard as it used to be. You know, we used to have the memory cards and daylight bulbs and like all this stuff, you know, like, and you know, that stuff has its place, but it's not when you get started. People will watch a grainy video if they like the content creator. Some people can have a red camera top line audio visuals re kit if you ain't talking about nothing interesting it doesn't matter how beautiful it is and how great it sounds you ain't talking about nothing right you just ain't talking about nothing very clearly and visually pleasing yeah i you mean know?
1: aesthetic aesthetic nothing is that a, is, is that a thing
0: aesthetic, nothing. aesthetic that's nothing. That's it. nothing you have a beautifully aesthetic nothing <laughs> so like even street art is so great like yeah, I know the world's gonna get better, but I might use StreamYard for you know, I, I just started using it like three days ago. I love this program, you know it's, what I'm saying?
1: So we've shot this is show 17, 16, show 16 on here.
0: Wow, see you yeah. live and learn.
1: We're in we're in week four on StreamYard. Shout out to StreamYard. Uh yeah. It, so so that's interesting because I wanted to, speaking of, I wanted to hop over to how you decide on your content. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of things that are hooked on to what's happening right now with COVID-19, um, you've got two videos that literally I couldn't breathe after right. watching them because... <laughs> I was like, somebody uh, everything you joke about, all your reactions, the dear Kevin's, <laughs> the, the the videos, they're all real. And that's the thing yeah. I love about comedy. And we have a week of comedians this week. But one of the things I think I want to just nail in over and over again, you're making fun of and talking about and cracking jokes on real things.
0: Yeah. Real life. I.e. gospel corona music. Corona be gone. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I I try to never be malicious with my comedy so that, okay. you know, if the person who posted that or a person who's the subject in that video that. sees it is like, all right, man, that's fair. You know, like <laughs> I, I was tripping or that is funny. Like I never want to attack people. You know, people are going to get offended at everything because, you know, especially in the church. Every video is funny until it's your pastor or a pastor you know. Then it's all on oh, my man, my it's a my man of God, and it ain't funny, like it's always someone. So I try not to ever be malicious, but man, then some of the stuff is just ludicrously funny, and people mean well, they 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 mean well, but that I is and the funny part is I also I am the subject of my own jokes. I don't even let myself off the hook. I fell off the stair, fell down the stairs and I dislocated my shoulder and the painters who were painting my house laughed so hard. And I was like, the game's the game, man. Falling is funny. Even if you were the faller, I can't be mad because if he would have fell down the stairs, I would have laughed at him. I I mean, come on. My legs were straight up in the air as a man, six foot, 250 pounds falling down multiple stairs. Like I was, (laughs) I went around the corner. I, it had to be hilarious. To see that, you know what I mean. So, uh, oh. the game is the game. <laughs>
1: I mean, but how do you like for 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 a lot of folks? It's like very interesting, right? This whole concept of finding the video because it's yeah. one of those moments where it's like I never would have found, and and I'm on the internet. We're on the interwebs a lot. Right. There are a lot right. of things on the interwebs. <laughs> yeah. but these two particular videos, the man had caught the spirit. <sighs> singing about Corona Begona. And I feel like there was more than one version. Damn, so,
0: man. Last no. week there was like three of those. I, you know what? I go on Twitter every morning like most people and I just scroll and there is never a day when I don't find something. I usually think if I see a piece of content video or a tweet and I if I can think of three funny things to say about it I'll make a joke. And the thing that I've realized about the internet is relatability is more important than than comedy, right? If if I say something like uh my video today was about this guy had said women you you wearing that same bra every day, don't you think it's time to change it into a new one. And I was like, "Bro, do you do you know a real woman? They are wearing a bra. What are you even talking about, right? Because I, my wife is like, oh, "No, nah, we off that." You know what I mean? So I know that more women, like, oh, they don't be wanting to wear bras. They wear bras because society makes you. They frowns upon not wearing them. But at home, on the weekend, if I'm finna, finna go nowhere, are you crazy? And more women are like, exactly. And people, you know, if they agree with the sentiment, they're more likely to comment and share. And if that sentiment also happens to be funny, you know, and this is how you beat the algorithm. When people are tagging their friends, or sending it to their friends, it doesn't matter what the algorithm says. If you think it's funny, Angelique, and you send it to your homegirl, there's nothing the algorithm can do about that. Nope. You know what I mean? So, I mean, of course, I guess technically you could decide whether you see it. But if people are going to my page and searching my name, finding a video, and then sending that to their friend and looking for my stuff, then it's algorithm, it's algorithm free. So I look for stuff that makes me laugh, stuff that's relatable. Like I saw a video, and I didn't even make a video about it. This. Family was doing a TikTok challenge where they were doing the shimmy and it got to two little brothers and they just started fighting at the end. When I tell you, I literally laughed for 20 minutes. It was so me and my older brother. I'm gonna just yeah, fire it's on relatable.
1: It. It's yeah. I have I have two nephews. I love them to death, man. But every once in a while
0: <laughs> they just <laughs> gotta throw hands.
1: Just throw hands. No
0: especially the That's younger odd. one. The younger one got I'm I'm about this. I'ma fight I you just be so bald, you know. But, but, right, right. But. So yeah, so that's what I look for, relatability, what's funny to me, cuz some videos are funny to me and not funny to others. Some videos I think I just did okay, people find them the most hilarious ever, and that's kind of another thing like I kind of make it shoot it and post it before I can talk myself out of it. Cuz I'm a mm. I'm a creator and I'm sensitive about my work and I you know, so many times I so made overthink a- it. Like, oh, I'll overthink it. I'll post something, then think about a funnier joke or somebody in the comments will make a funnier joke than anything i said i'm like oh, i'm not funny no one you know what i mean but i just make it and get it up before i talk myself out of it because i'm i'm an artist and i'm and i'm sensitive about my stuff too like erica badu said
1: i mean look man that's one of the one of the ways i trick myself into is we do a live stream there's no it's up it's up it's up <laughs> it's
0: out that's so true you can't go back nothing it's i part. can do about it it's already uh, made
1: we have a, com- oh, oh, okay, Lou. <laughs> okay, Lou. I, oh. oh, man.
0: Lou, the answer is no. The question <laughs> is, you have to ask him if Tony ever forgave him about Anita Baker. The answer is no. He has softened his stance. So if you don't know this story, I didn't know about Anita Baker specifically growing up. Because, listen, Angelique, listen, listen. My family only let us listen to gospel music, okay? okay. Now, true, right. I actually realized I heard her sing with the Winans, but nobody ever said, this is Anita Baker. She also makes this album, you know what I mean? So yeah. I grew up, I heard her songs, but I couldn't say, this is Anita Baker song, we listen to do that. So my wife, this is about two years ago now, Spice Adams, another funny content creator, he posted, he used to use Anita Baker clip every time he would make fun of somebody. So my wife was listening to Anita Baker. And I was like, oh, that's that Spice Adams clip. And she was like, you don't know who this is? And I was like, no, it's the lady from Spice Adams. So she blew up my spot. You don't know Anita Baker. And the blacks were up in arms. So you know what I did, Angelique? I said, I'm going to learn. You know, I, I downloaded all her music. I listened to it, loved it. You know, listened to Rapture. It's, I great mean, it.
1: it's Anita Baker.
0: Flawless, timeless. Then here's why he got mad. I said, you know what? She's doing her farewell concert series. I'm going to take my wife to D.C. because my wife had never seen her live. Bought me and my wife tickets to the concert. We're sitting on the floor in the back, not in the front. And we're standing up, clapping, singing. And Anita Baker's like, hey, Kev, I love what you're doing, young man. She follows me on Twitter, invited me backstage. I got to meet her and take a picture with her. And I posted it. And that's what made Tony mad. He's like, you a fraud. You just found out about her and now you got to meet her. Like, you could have went to the concert. You could have bought tickets. And it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my entire life. I mean, she was amazing. And he just felt like I didn't deserve that. But, you know, favor ain't fair.
1: It, no, sometimes it, it really and <laughs> truly is not. It really and truly is not.
0: So that's why he's never forgiven me and he won't forgive me until he gets to meet her backstage and that you know, might not.
1: What? That might not happen. Unfortunately, not my problem,
0: bro. That's not my problem. <laughs> um,
1: but that actually brings up another good point that I love, particularly like in this moment. You, there is this huge collective, and not huge, but I mean, there is a there is a collective of folks that you work with, right? Yep. Like there, you have folks that you collaborate with. You have folks you were on tour with. Um, there's even like a social media comedian influencer tour yep. um, situation. Y'all podcast together, like folks that you know. Can't, like all these different folks that you will you will see on different channels I love seeing just pop up on each other's videos because yeah. it seems so isolated when you're only following one or you're only following another talk to me a little bit about how a lot of the collaborations come about but also like I don't think folks know that behind the scenes y'all strategize absolutely. together
0: absolutely so I was watching a lot of Joe Rogan and, and Theo Vaughn and Brendan Schaub, because these guys, they just totally kill in the podcast lane. Chris D'Elia, Whitney Cummings, you know, Bobby Lee. And I'm like, how? Why? How are they so successful? And obviously, one of the things is they've been podcasting for a long time. Joe Rogan, and them, 10, 10, 8 years, you know, t- 8 to 10 years, most of them. Yeah. But also, they often show up in each other's content. And that mm-hmm. does two things. It introduces each other, you know, each each. Person to each other's audience, and two, those episodes tend to be funnier because when you're around your friends, things are just funnier than when you're by yourself. Like me with one of my friends is a great time. Me with eight of my friends, it's a blast. So I told my guy, said, "Man, we've got to collaborate. Like we need to make a strategic effort to be on each other's podcast more and just support each other and make each other's videos because we'll make better content and we'll all grow. We'll all rise together." And this quarantine has actually helped that because we're all available and at home. Usually, my friends were on the road; we're flying in at different times. We're all using, you know, most of my comic friends. We land on Monday morning, scramble, spend time with the family. You got basically Tuesday and Wednesday—the only full days you have in LA—to do everything, spend time with your family, shoot your own podcast, go to the doctor. But because of coronavirus, we all sitting at home. Digging in our toes, watching the office. So, we're like, yo, let's hop on mine. I'll hop on yours. Like, even your uh, thing today, like on a regular day, I probably wouldn't have been able to do this depending on where I'm, just because I usually don't even get home till around this time. And I'm usually right. crashing because I'm, you know what I mean? So, yeah. and then Tuesday, I'm shooting all day long. So, I only really have Wednesday and Friday. And if you had guests booked on Wednesday and Friday, I'm out of luck. So, now we're the best of friends and I can come do your stuff all the time. So, I'm oh. just trying to take of of where we are right now as Mm -hmm. opposed to being like because just like everybody the first couple weeks i was just like man what was me what are we gonna do but quickly i was like we got to do something because this is not changing anytime soon Mm -mm. so i don't want to just be like sitting around eating which is what i'm gonna do anyway but at least i should shoot after i was saying nothing's wrong about sitting around and eating i have summer body summer might be canceled for 2020. So summer bodies are definitely postponed indefinitely. I've got no reason to work out. The people in my house are fine with my body. I don't have nothing to prove to no one.
1: (laughs) You heard it here. We have canceled all summer bodies. Live your life.
0: Live your life.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. But I, I love that because it's such a spirit of like, look, I get it. We're in a situation but there's a malleability to the creativity. We've got so many tools. Yeah. Just on just on this.
0: Just on that, man. It's it's amazing. I feel, you know, it's funny. I think every generation feels like the guy when they had mail on horses, they were like, technology ain't never going to get any better than this. You understand me? He brought me a mail on a horse. And the guy who first got a note on a, from a raven, he was like, man, the raven brought me, you know what I mean? Like Every generation has felt like what technology. What will they think is- of next? <laughs> what will they think of next? So uh, I just, I'm just like my kids are doing school in their underwear on their phone, which is something even in our day and age, I would have never imagined that they doing school like this. So I went to my son's room and he was like, "I'm in class, no pants on, just." <laughs> it's just pants hilarious. are also canceled. Pants oh, are also pants- canceled. I don't even have. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't even have socks on. Why? Do I. I haven't done what? one show with shoes on. No, not one. Not one. Fake. y'all don't see it. That's not necessary. I mean, I probably shouldn't have put my foot up, but I <laughs> wanted to prove to you that I don't have socks on. <laughs> Be free. Be free. Oh,
1: but but it really is like it, it really is really. Interesting because we are at this point and we have this technology and it is in our hands. You know, for you, what are you? Are you cooking anything up new? Please give me more dad jokes. I love dad jokes. Good puns are the best thing ever. The cold stone Steve Austin might be my favorite. Oh, you know what's funny about the dad jokes?
0: Everyone is somebody's favorite and the one they hate the most. Cold Stone Steve Austin was my son actually came up with that. My youngest son, he helps me a lot. He was, um, he was the genesis behind Cold Stone Steve Austin, but they're just—they're so bad. They are awful, and that's what makes them hilarious. Like you're so mad at yourself for laughing, but we're all a little corny. <laughs>
1: all of us. All right, so we got one more question, okay. and then we're gonna start wrapping up. Kev, what nuggets were you able to get from when you met Will Smith?
0: Ah. Uh. Oh, speaking of corny,
1: that man makes corny cool, and it's real weird.
0: You know the difference between me and him. You, I make this look good. That is Will Smith in a nutshell. Uh, I didn't get any nuggets from him traditionally. I really just bumped into him at his office. We were pitching or we were meeting his uh, creative team, and Will Smith like almost bumped into me, and he was eating Fig Newtons, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, Will Smith likes Fig Newtons." I think the thing about Will probably came from before I met him. And that is that Will Smith's probably his best skill, better than being a great actor, tall, handsome, athletic. He is so likable. You just all that you he's just likable. You think he's fun to be around. He was so nice when I met him. And I just want to be likable. Like the only ability more, you know, the only thing more important than ability is likability in this business. So I just want to be like Will in the sense that people want me to do well. They want to watch my movies. They want to watch my interviews. They want the best for me, want to meet me, all that stuff. So that it was it was just the best.
1: I love it because, you know what, having a team behind you. And and I think this was the other thing we were talking about. And it's a great way to kind of smooth out is like. When you have been doing this for eight years or even five or three or two years, and you've got that following that you've been really true to, which you mentioned earlier and is very true to you, and it's following you because it's you, yeah. They are kind of rooting for you in a way. Like I've talked to a couple of folks who are are big fans of you and like folks who are like on the meetup page, and they honestly and truly are not just they don't just enjoy your content, they're like rooting for you, which is
0: amazing that's the best thing ever because it allows you to grow it allows you to make mistakes which the internet doesn't want people to grow like you know we all are growing and learning we're learning about what's offensive you know some of that stuff is changing and your true fans allow you to grow in real time you know so uh the stage crew see Karen Spencer that that's the the name of my uh Fans the name they came up with, you know, so I, I just appreciate that love and support uh, so much. You know, I, I don't take any of it for granted. And I'm so grateful to be in the position that I'm in. It's just it's the best.
1: So what should folks be looking out for? Are there any projects you got coming down the lines, anything you're working on now? Um, and then, you know, tell the folks who may not already know how easy it is to find you. How easy it is to find you. (laughs) It's
0: so easy to find me with Kev on stage. Anywhere you look, Kev on stage will be there. Um, I have podcasts, the love hour on Thursdays on my wife's channel, the righteous and ratchet on Wednesdays, dear Kev, where I give you the best, worst advice on the planet. People write to me, serious questions. I don't want to be held responsible for your life's problems. So I give you the worst advice that you'd be a a fool to take. Um, And hopefully we'll be shooting a movie later this year. And and that'll be coming out soon. So I appreciate any support you can give me and support comes in many different ways. It could be monetary. It could be from liking and commenting a video and sharing with the friends and all that stuff is is valuable. And I appreciate it all.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, check back tomorrow. We're going to be with Frank Canlindo uh, tomorrow. Frank's going to kill me for murdering his last name again. Uh, I, yo, I love him to death. He's one of the most talented men ever. I am friends with his family and, and he's going to be on here. You might know him from Mad TV. He's an incredible impressionist, but he'll be on tomorrow at two on Tuesdays. Uh, but I want to say thank you again so much, thank Kevin. You so
0: much. Have a great day.
1: Creative Quarantine is hosted by Angelique Rochet. It's produced by Angelique Rochet, Sarah Storm, and Matt Storm. Our logo is designed by Aaron Leffler. New streaming episodes are available Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on com forward slash creative quarantine. Podcasts are made available the morning after each live streamed episode wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit us on Instagram at creative.quarantine and Twitter at Qteen. Please send this to a friend who needs a little artistic company and stay at home if you possibly can. We'll see you soon.
0: Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work